Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Now, who and where you go to when you have a need changes everything. You hear that? Who and where you go when you have a need change everything. You instinctively know this. After service, you're hungry. You're not going to Home Depot, right? We know this. We're going to like, we're going to Hughes Q or something, right? After service, you're hungry. You're not running to Ace Hardware. You're like, I gotta go to Hooligans next door. Like, this is what we do, we know it. Well, in the Morehouse, this also rings true. Growing up, the kids knew where they needed to go when they needed something. They have a technology issue. Where do they go? Dad. They got math problems. Where do they go? Dad. They got English, pro- English project, English paper. Don't come to dad. Dad likes to talk. Dad doesn't want to know where commas go. Dad doesn't want to know where X and Dad, go to mom. She's the smart one with English, all right? They got a project to do, a craft project to do. Not only don't come to dad, dad's running out the back door because dad doesn't do the crafts and the project. Who and where you go to when you need something changes everything. Jackson realized that this past week. On a side note, can I tell you, just as a dad today, thanks for all your prayers for Jackson, like in his surgeries, the people that called and text and brought stuff by, like it meant a lot, a lot. But Jackson realized that this week, when, when Jackson needed a, hey baby, what can I get you? Do you want a sweet tea? Hey, can I move your leg for you? Hey, what blanket do you need? Where's Jackson go? He going to mom. When Jackson needs, hey, get your butt up, we're gonna work this thing out. Like, we got six months to get ready for basketball season, it's time to get rid of a crutch. Where does Jackson go? He goes to dad. He doesn't ever come to dad, I believe. But dad goes to him, right? You know what I mean? Because who and where you go to when you need something matters. I wanna talk about that today because I think all of us on some level have a need. In this morning, you may have an intense need. You may be carrying an intense need in your life and you walk in carrying the weight. Or for others, you have a basic need. Like it's kind of under the surface, but it's a basic need. But we all have these needs. And who and where we go to when we have a need changes everything. And I'm going to talk about that as we continue our encounter series. See, we've been talking about these moments that Jesus had with people that changed everything about their lives. Now, for some, these encounters that we've been shared and will continue to share be the first time you ever hear them. For others, you've maybe grown up in the church, you know these stories. But either way, what I'm hoping is is we go back to these moments with Jesus that change people's lives. You will be reminded that you are those people too. That those stories aren't distant from us, that we may have different stories, but their stories are our stories because we all have needs. Now, maybe you've heard these stories again, but also my prayer is, that God will speak to you through these stories in a new way. You know what I've learned as I've gotten a little older? Is that if I've had different experiences, I've had different life events, 
Things have changed in my life. Old scriptures begin to be spoken in new ways to me. God uses stories that I heard when I was young in new ways now that I'm in a new season of life. And so I'm hoping these events can speak powerful truths into your life. Now today, we're gonna go to Mark chapter five, okay? So if you got your Bibles, you got your phones, um, we'll eventually, we'll engage with this text because what we do here is we want to get, get into some scripture and see how God wants to speak to us in new ways today, but what we have is kind of a two for one. We've got one story, but two lives that are going to be changed forever. And so we're going to go Mark chapter 5, we're going to go verse 21, okay? It's a little bit longer today, so let me read this story for you. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, while Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. And he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of, G of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion while people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talith kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. 
two different people one incredible life-changing story an incredible encounter of Jesus with two people that will forever be changed because that's what happens when we encounter Jesus now as we do at One Hope, I want us to leave our context. So if you're new this morning, I'm always begging you, I'm always asking you, leave the context, leave the seat you're sitting in today so we can sit in the seat of Scripture as it was written. Now, the author who wrote this story is obviously who? Mark, right? Mark was a, an evangelist, and Mark was a disciple of the Apostle Peter. It is believed that Mark is one of the first 70 followers of Jesus, and he was the first missionary to Africa, specifically to Alexandria, Egypt. And that is where he died because of what he believed. Now, Mark was the first gospel written of the four, and it was written about 70 AD, okay? And his purpose as an evangelist is to try to help people see that Jesus was the Messiah that they were all waiting for. And how he went about this is he gave story after story after story after story. If you read the book of Mark, you'll know that this is a very fast-moving book. He peppers you with stories. He does it elongate. He goes from one to the other, all the miraculous and life-changing things that Jesus did, stories that would show people that Jesus is the Messiah different than anyone else that had proclaimed to be the Messiah in the past. And so right here, Mark chapter five, we have another story surrounded by a bunch of stories where Jesus does the unthinkable. So if you look around this story, you'll see kind of the feeling of Mark and how Mark goes about de describing who Jesus is because he gives the stories of Jesus healing a paralytic man. He gives the stories of Jesus walking on water. He gives the stories of Jesus freeing people from demon possession. He gives the stories of feeding thousands with just a little bit of food. And now Jesus. What Jesus does in this story, only he could do. And this is one of the many stories that started to help people believe, started to help people to be a follower of who Jesus is. Now, to be clear, as we read these stories, I, I kind of always want to make sure we have a uh, perspective that the story right here is about Jesus. All the stories we read are about Jesus. He needs to be the centerpiece of everything we read. It's always going to come back to him. But as we do in this series, we want to see how Jesus engaging with individuals changes people's lives. It's about Jesus, but maybe we can see ourselves in these stories. See, he changes everything about people's lives when they engage with him. And I'm hoping, hear me this morning, I'm hoping that maybe you walk out of this place and maybe you can say to yourself, maybe Jesus wants to do that in my life. 
Maybe Jesus wants to do in my life what I see in the scriptures. And in this, this story doesn't end up being a story, but it is something that pushes us to Jesus that maybe he can work in me as well. Now, what's unique about this story, I think, is it isn't two people in two different stories. It's two people, but one story. I don't want to break this. And maybe you've experienced that before. We break these moments into two. I like to tackle this story as in one big story because I think when you don't do that you miss part of what's happening and before we apply this text to our lives I want to make sure we do know what's happening see most people think that in this moment Jesus is arriving back to a town called Capernaum Okay, maybe you've heard that this is Jesus's home base. Most people think he's coming back to Capernaum. When you go to Israel, like we'll take a group this year, you'll go to this town and you'll see where this story takes place. And upon arriving, people are waiting. As Jesus gets to the water shore, people are waiting. People like you and me who, who, who they have something they need and so they meet him on the shore. Now the first person we see in this story is a man of significance, a man of importance. The first person we see in this story is a man who's a religious leader in this community. But it's in this moment that his position in the community is secondary to what he needs because he has a daughter. He has a 12-year-old daughter who is dying. And once again, if you can leave your seat and try to put yourself in this story, you can feel the tension, you can feel the fear, you can feel the anxiety, you can feel this moment where there's, where, where there's no small talk, they just cut to the chase. Hey, my daughter is dying, will you come to my house? Now what's interesting to me, as a side note here, is I don't know what this man actually believes about Jesus in this moment. Remember, he's a Jewish leader. He's a Jewish religious leader. I don't totally know what he believes about, Jer uh, about Jesus. We don't know if he's a follower of Jesus, but Jairus has heard the stories of Jesus. He has heard that he's healed people in their town, and now he needs that Jesus. He needs that healing inside his home. And so, how does, Jairus, or how does Jesus respond to Jairus in this moment? The words are simple. It just says, so Jesus went with him. So at the side of the water, Jesus, I need you badly. Jesus goes, okay, let's go. Let's go. I'll, I'll go with you. Now, once again, we have to picture this scene. This story loses its impact if we don't dive into it. Jesus is walking from the shore. Now he's going to Capernaum. And people are beginning to crowd around him. Can you see it? Because we've seen this in our culture before, haven't we? We've seen it on TV or maybe you've experienced it. We do this with athletes. We do this with, with movie stars. We do this with people that we really care about. You see that when someone of importance, seemingly importance, comes to town, people just crowd around, don't they? You've seen these stories where people just, like, they, they, they can't get close. You've got the bodyguards pushing them off. And, and this is the scene here. I, I once experienced this. Um, 
Bradley, worship leader, and friend Brian Kimbrell once were at the Tour Championship in Atlanta. Golf tournament, last one of the year. We're, we're halfway down the first fairway and the guy swings and, he, and, and it goes left into the rough. It lands, I don't know, 10, 20 feet from us and we're like, oh, sweet. So we kind of walk our way over and we get close, but then people, people are walking by to other holes, people that run, all of a sudden people start crowding around and people are around this ball. Why? Because they want to see this guy hit his second shot. And, and the people come like, hey, you got to give him space. You got to have room for the club, like back off. But this is what we do with people we think are important. And Jesus has become this guy. So everyone is around him. And all of a sudden, someone touches him and Jesus feels it. Not only does he feel it, he asks who did it. And this is a weird question, right? The scene I just described to you, who touched me, is a weird question. The disciples say that to him. Jesus, what are you talking about? A bunch of people touched you. But see, it's in this moment that Jesus knew something that the disciples didn't know. It was in this moment that Jesus knew something the disciples had not experienced. There was something different about one person. Jesus knew that there is a difference into wanting to be just be around Jesus and understanding how much you need Jesus. Let me say that again. There's a difference in wanting to just be around Jesus and understanding how much you need him. And I think we get this even though we may not acknowledge it. Can we be very personal this morning? When we come to church, there is a difference in coming here because this is just what we do, to be around the Jesus stuff and walking in and understanding our need of Jesus. We can come to this place in two different ways. And I'll tell you, we can't worship Jesus really in this place unless we really understand and own and carry the need for Jesus. It changes everything. I think sometimes we struggle with this. We walk into the place, but we don't really resonate with the needs that we have in a deep place. But there was someone... There was someone in that moment who came with a different motive. Hear me, there was someone that came with a different level of faith. There was someone who came with a deeper level of need. There was someone who understood who Jesus was. And he called it out. He felt it and he called it out. And imagine this moment the people have to be confused. Imagine this moment. The people had to be looking around like, what are you talking about, Jesus? But then, people are looking around going, Jesus, there are just a lot of people. But then, this unnamed, unknown woman steps up and she admits everything. She falls at his feet 
in brokenness. She falls at his feet in pain. She falls at his feet in fear. She falls at his feet not knowing how he will respond, but she falls at his feet. And in desperation, she tells him the whole story. Now, we don't know the whole story. We know that she's been in pain for 12 years. We know that she's been trying to overcome this for 12 years. We know that she's tried almost everything and trying everything. She's now at a place of desperation, and this desperation has led her to a place to believe that Jesus is the only one that can do what she needs. She, he's the only one that's left. Jesus. I've tried all other options. I'm financially broke. I'm emotionally broke. I'm physically broke. I'm, every aspect of my life is just broken. And she's heard the stories of Jesus and that has led her to do whatever it takes so she can get to the man that can, is the only one left that can do something in her time of need. And what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Jesus did what I think he always does when we come to him with, with a need is that he sees her and he responds to her and picture this, he looks at her and says, daughter. He looks at her and he says, daughter. It's personal to him. This is not a random somebody that's walked up. We may not know her name, but he does. It's daughter. Your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. This encounter changed everything about this woman's life. But it's a two for one. And the story's not done there, right? It's a two for one. See, when this happens, then people come and they begin to tell uh, Jarius, hey, your daughter is, has died. There's no need to bother the teacher anymore. They basically walk up and they say, it's too late. Have you ever said, it's too late? See, what we see in this story is it's never too late late it's never too late in whatever you're struggling with it's never too late in whatever thing you are carrying it is never too late when the person you're bringing your need your stuff with is Jesus it's never too late Jesus goes to the home with Jairus's daughter this 12 year old girl Jarius, just like the unnamed woman, brought his need to Jesus, and Jesus responds, and he speaks life into this 12-year-old girl. He touches her. He grabs her hand, just like the other woman had touched Jesus. This moment that Jesus encounters them, it changes everything. 
through their response, everything was changed in their life because who and where you go when you need something changes everything. I love this story, but I want us to walk away by taking some nuggets of this story. I want us to walk away taking some application for our life in this story. And so what we see, I think, are some character traits of Jesus, and we see reasons why Jesus wants us to bring our needs to him. We see some character traits. Oh, this is what it tells me about Jesus. But maybe it goes beyond this, and it gives us reasons why Jesus begs us to bring everything we're carrying always. See, character traits of Jesus, what I see in this story is that Jesus thinks your need is important. This could be very basic or this could be very big because what you think is big, so does he. What you think is important, so does he. And I think sometimes we don't go to God with what we need. Sometimes we wrestle on our own. We wrestle with just in ourselves is because we don't think our stuff is important enough. You ever think that? We think there are bigger and better things for God to take care of. I've heard people say this to me, Scott. Other people have bigger and more things for God to deal with. And in this moment, we forget. God can multitask. Do we know that? We forget that God can multitask. In this story, we see he can handle Jairus' issue and he can handle this unnamed woman's issue. God can multitask. If it was big to them, it was in big to God. If it's big to you, if it's important to you, I believe it's important to God and he wants us to bring what is big to us. The second thing I see about Jesus is Jesus doesn't think you are an interruption. Jesus does not think you are an interruption. He is never too busy. He wants us Uh, He wants to stop for those who need him. He wants us to see that he is always available. We are not in interruption. How we operate in our fast-paced life is not how Jesus operates. In our life, tell me if I'm wrong, in our life, we're always calculating. What do I have time for? Can I do this or not do this? What do I have time for? Can I accomplish this task or not accomplish? We think about this all day long, every day. So subconsciously, we take this to Jesus. We put this feeling on Jesus. I can't bring my stuff to him. Because there are bigger and better ways to use his time. I mean, this is silly to say out loud, right? Like, I get, like, we, but in our minds and our bodies and our actions, God's got better ways to use his time. The problem is Jesus doesn't view life this way because his limitations are not our limitations. And we can't put our feelings on top of Jesus. We can't view things the way Jesus did because he is not in the same boat as us. He is not limited. You are never an interruption. Jesus wants you to stop. When people don't stop, when people don't listen, when people think you're an interruption, Jesus never thinks that. The third thing is this, is Jesus sees you 
as worthy. Jesus sees you as worthy. Here's the picture I want you to see here. Is, is we have an, a, a man from the synagogue and we've got an unnamed woman, okay? In that story, once again, if we jump into their story, there is one that's more important than the other. Maybe rude to say, maybe like, I can't believe, in that town, there was one person more important than the other. It is the religious leader. So if you would expect that Jesus would do a miracle, it'd be the one that's the religious leader. The problem is, we live in a class system mindset. We live with who's elite, who's not elite. We live with who's important and not important. We have levels, and we don't want to say it out loud, but we do it. Some people are more important than others. We're like, oh, I shouldn't think that. But like, we do this instinctively. But Jesus is different. He doesn't see the levels. He just sees worthy people. And I wonder if sometimes we don't bring our needs to God because we think other people are more important. They're more, imp more important people to help. They're better people than me. And maybe it's just not because of like someone has more money or they're more famous or they're more, just more important. Maybe it's because you think, I don't deserve this because I've done this and this and this and this and this. There are more important people. There are better people. There are more deserving people. Do you ever say this like, God, like I don't deserve you to respond back to me. I don't deserve you to work in my life. Look at what I've done problem is we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. He sees us as worthy. You see how he responds, daughter. He can respond, son. We are personal. We are his. And maybe I wonder when we see ourselves the way Jesus sees us, something will change in how we bring our knees to him. If we know if we know that Jesus thinks our need is important, if we know that Jesus doesn't think we're an interruption, if we know that Jesus sees you as worthy, maybe all of our needs can be brought to him and we won't even hesitate. Maybe something will change. Now I told you first that I want to see some characteristic of Jesus. We'll see some characteristics of Jesus because when we see that Jesus wants to bring our needs, then maybe we also will see why he wants us to bring our needs to him because he wants to do a work in our life. And I see this in this story. And the story is that Jesus wants us to bring our needs because he wants to redeem our life back to wholeness. When Jesus says, go in peace, this is big, this is big. When Jesus says, go in peace, that word for peace is the equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom. Okay, shalom is the word I've talked about before, I've preached about before, about in the beginning, God created everything for shalom. Um, and in the Greek, that word wouldn't have been used, but this is the equivalent word to shalom. 
In the beginning, God created everything to be complete, whole, in harmony, together, that there would be this safety, this security, this harmony, this completeness, we would find peace in all of it, that we'd find peace in him, that we would find this in life, and since the fall of man, God has been fighting to get back to the place of shalom, and we will not experience this shalom until the second coming of Jesus, but God wants us to experience a little bit while we're here on earth and when we bring our knees to him then we can have the word spoken to us go in peace go in a little more wholeness go in a little more completeness Go with a little less stress, a little less anger, a little less fear, a little less pain. Go in peace, he says to her. Go in this peace that only is found when you find your wholeness in me. He wants to redeem our life back to wholeness. The second thing is he wants to restore our trust back to his goodness. Once again, can I tell you, we don't know the belief of these two. We don't know. It doesn't say what they believe. We've got a Jewish leader, an unnamed one. We don't know. But I believe that through this miracle that Jesus wanted them to put their trust in him in a way that maybe they never have before. And I know this. As we allow Jesus to work in our life, our trust grows. Our trust in him grows because we get to see his goodness work in our life. And on some level, we all have some trust issues. People are always letting us down, so we have trust issues. But if we'll let God work, if we just let him into our life, if we bring the small things and the big things and we bring him everything, what you'll see is Jesus begins to respond. And as he responds, your trust will begin to grow and it breaks down and you'll begin, it breaks down those trust issues and you will begin to then move from a knowledge of Jesus, just being around Jesus, to knowing and trusting Jesus with your life. He wants to restore our trust back to his goodness. And then the last thing, is I think Jesus wants to reunite us back to community. Listen, this is one of the most overlooked parts of this story. Let's look at this woman again just for a second. She didn't need just a physical healing. She needed a healing back to her community. For 12 years, she'd been isolated. For 12 years, she couldn't give a hug. For 12 years, she couldn't walk near people. For 12 years, she couldn't worship in the synagogue if she wanted to. For 12 years, she couldn't eat with people. This idea of uncleanliness, it's a religious thing, not just a physical thing, is is way bigger than we understand. And relationships are so important, and she had none. I think one of the biggest reasons Jesus calls out this woman is not just for herself, but for the community to see that she was healed. They needed to see that she could come back into their community and they could embrace her. Because I think sometimes one of the biggest pains we feel is a feeling of distance or rejection or shame that we're pushed away from people. And I know the cultures are different, but I think sometimes our biggest tamed, our, our biggest uh, pains are when we're hurting and then we pull away from people. 
For lots of reasons, we pull away from people, and I wanna speak to this for a second. When you are at your most broken, I said this to someone from One Hope this week, when you are at your most broken is when you need to lean into community the most, lean into people the most. Jesus knew she couldn't do that in her culture, so he had to heal her. But maybe today God wants to speak into you and the healing he wants to bring is to push you back into community, push you back to people, to stop pulling away from people and back into community. But I want to say something really straightforward as we end today. Sometimes people don't lean back into community Because when people have been at their worst, sometimes the church is the worst community to come back into. Sometimes we are the best. Sometimes we are the best to lean into. We'll care for each other. But other times, aren't there stories of we've been kicked and we're down because of church? And I thought about this this week as Jesus wants to restore us back to community that can we be the church that when you are feeling the worst is when you can know your church will love the best. Because to be more like Jesus means when people are at their worst whether it's their own mistake or something has happened to them it doesn't matter. That to be more like Jesus means we, we gather around people. We love people. We don't shame, we don't point fingers, we just say, you are hurting, we will love you in this moment. And we have not always been great at that. And maybe today God can just say, hey, let's be this church. The people need to lean into each other, but may we be people that can be leaned into. Maybe you have a need today. Maybe there's something that you bring in today. Maybe there's a weight, a fear, a pain, something. It may not have been 12 years. Maybe it is 12 years you've been carrying this. And maybe God wants to speak to you today and say to you, your need is important to me. You are never an interruption to me. I see you as worthy I want to restore you. I want to redeem you. I want to reunite you. I, I want to do a work in your life. Maybe you carry something. And today it's simply just saying, God, I want to give that to you. And normally we end in worship, but we're not going to end in worship today. I just want to have a moment of silence and I want to pray over you. Because of if it's true today that you are carrying something, 
Who and where you take your need changes everything. And I'm wondering if we just have a moment. Can I just have you close your eyes for a second? Is there something you're carrying? And in this moment of just my voice, but kind of silence, is there something you need to say, God, I need you for this? I haven't felt like I can bring it to you, God, but I need this. I haven't felt important enough, but I need this. God, I haven't felt like it was that big of a deal, but I truly do need this. Are you hurting in some place? Or do you just need God's blessing in some place? Do you need wisdom? Do you, what do you need this morning? I think a simple prayer is, God, I just need this. Maybe this morning you need Jesus. It's just, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life. I've walked away from you. I've never given my life to you. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. I want to give you my life. Is there something you need? Heavenly Father, will you speak to your people today? Heavenly Father, will you show us that our needs are important to you? Heavenly Father, will you show us that we are worthy enough to bring you our needs? God, will you restore us, our trust in you? Will you bring wholeness back to our life? God, will you forgive us where forgiveness is needed? Will you bring wisdom where wisdom is needed? Will you bring um, calmness where calmness is needed? Will you take away our, our shame, our worry, our, our fears? Will you take away whatever we're carrying because we give it to you. And God, when we give you our needs, I believe you work. Thank you for always viewing us as not an interruption, but a pleasure to bring our needs to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.